0: Hey, happy Friday, Distant potters! Welcome to the show, part two of this week's episode, episode 189. This is part two. What does that mean for you guys? Logically, if you haven't listened to part one yet, you cannot listen to this. Unless you're going for like like a George Lucas sort of out of sync thing. Yeah, you listen to part two first, that's fine. Then go back and go, ah, I see how that happened. I see how Ellis became the character he is. That's interesting. Um, But it's probably best just to listen to it in order. So Wednesday was when part one was out. And yeah, go for the first round of clips, get through the intro. And it's another Pip and a dandy of an episode, in my opinion. As I said on part one, on the intro, if you've just gone back and listened to that, good. Uh, We're trying to help one of our listeners to raise... Some money because he has incurable brain cancer. There's a guy called Matthew who is a fan of ours. Uh, he's a fan of Alice's other stuff as well. So Ellis and John, he loves on Five Live. I presume he loves Feast of Football as well because he's a Wales football fan. Yeah, so if we could help him out, he needs to raise basically a quarter of a million. And he's halfway to that target, at the time of speaking. But I think we can help him. And you guys have, and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who already have. But as I was saying in part one, please don't tell Mike this, but no, Mike, he'd be perfectly fine I'm I'm saying that as a joke. Don't sign up to the Patreon this month if you were thinking of doing it. If you're going to go for the lowest level of the Patreon, just give that four quid to Matthew for this month and join us in January. Okay? It's, it's perfectly cool. All right? I would much 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 rather that. And we've got a few ideas about a fundraiser and how we can do something, but if you've got some ideas as well because we're literally three people <laughs> we're three people coming up with stuff. So we've got an idea of a thing, I don't I don't be too specific of that we could do to help raise some money. But if you might have a better idea. So at distant part on the socials If you can get in touch with us, we really want to help Matthew reach the target that he wants to reach, which is £250,000, and that's not an easy thing to achieve. So if we can help out in some way, some of that is by telling you guys about it, and then you guys giving a quid, giving four quid, whatever you can give, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Those of you who are massively flush, we must have got some really rich listeners. If you are flush, I don't know, how how much did you spend on that coffee that you got in your hand now? Yeah, you're driving to work. You've got a latte, whatever it is. Hey, maybe you've gone to McDonald's and got one of Mike's favorite drinks. (laughs) But why not give that equivalent to Matthew? Because best win in the world. I drink loads and loads of coffee. Is that coffee worth what we're paying for it? Probably not. Will the world be a better place if you give the equivalent amount of money to Matthew? Yes, it will. So if you could do that, that'd be amazing. The link for his fundraiser is at the start of the episode description. So the first link within there, is the link to Matthew's GoFundMe. Get on that. Give whatever you can give. Don't give what you can't give because nobody will ever ask that of you. But if you've got ideas of how we can help raise a bit more money, at DistantPod is where you can find us on all the socials. Enjoy part two, people. It's documentary
1: time on the Socially distance Sports Bar. Uh, Mike, it was your choice this week. I don't know why I've just seen it. It was made in 2021, but it, it just appeared on my Netflix a couple of days ago. This is Paul Merson's uh, documentary called Football, Gambling and Me.
2: Gambling's the killer. I know one thing and one thing only. It ain't going away. It ain't going away. And that's the most, that's, <sighs> that's the scary thing. It ain't going away. I could play a bit, and I racked up almost 600 appearances for Arsenal, Middlesbrough, Aston Villa, Portsmouth, Walsall and England. I've won league championships, European titles, I've played in the World Cup finals, and I've earned millions and millions of pounds. But I'm an addict. I've been addicted to alcohol and cocaine, but by far the most destructive and the only one I'm still struggling with today is gambling. Thanks so much for coming in. I just think it's so important
1: that people who have been in the grip of addictions
2: like you talk about them. I've always been open about my gambling. You've got one of the best jobs in the world, and you're gambling your money away. People are just going to go, he's not right. He, we've got to put him away somewhere. But in order to really move on, I need to understand why I do it. Why is this the one addiction I can't seem to shake off? And what does it say about the links between gambling and the game I love?
1: So there we go. It's on Netflix. It's just under 50 minutes long. And I picked it, to be quite honest. I thought, right, what's going to be a, because we're all very busy at the moment, what's a relatively short documentary that I can watch that isn't Mm -hmm. a doc series? Let's have a one-off. So I found this. It's a one-off, and it's under an hour. I thought perfect. I'll watch this. I watched it, and I was absolutely agog. So it's about his. He's very, very candid, Merson, and he's very, very candid about football, yeah. about his drug use, about his alcohol uh, use. But it's 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 about principally about his gambling addiction, and he still is addicted to it, and he always will be addicted to it. But fucking hell, I mean, it's weird to watch because I got mates who. Good, good friends who gamble every week, right? Okay. On the apps on their phones, they'll book back on the NFL on, on Premier League and on rugby and also. And they enjoy it. It's something they enjoy to do, right? Just like I got mates, myself included, who like a drink, right? I've also got good friends of mine who died from being an alcoholic. And my first girlfriend died from being an alcoholic. And I've got mates who are in a, have been in a shit bad way with gambling. Mm. So obviously there's there's people who gamble for fun and cause they enjoy the the process of it and there's people that got a real real problem with it it seems like the whole industry is, is geared up when you watch this thing they're saying like basically 60 percent of their business is people with problem gambling and i think there's something like 350,000 people in the uk that are problem gamblers that have got a real problem with it. and it's all about why he thinks he was addicted what addiction does how it manifests itself, what is the science behind it, the nature nurture things—they fit an awful lot into forty-nine minutes. But I was absolutely staggered. The, the one bit that really stuck out to me was the fellow he's talking to, who was a recovering a gambling addict, who was working with somebody else who was another gambling addict, who'd asked for a Freedom of Information Act of his records from a, the gambling company they used all the time. And I just—I was staggered—the the amount of information that was held on him as a gambler what he liked to gamble, how he liked to gamble, what he could afford to gamble. Mm. And then working out that he was basically the sort of gambler that's going to always chase the losses. So you know they've got an issue with it. And you're putting those deposit limits on, but you're exceeding those on a, on a regular basis at multiple times a day. And they said that he's got all the information here to help people with an issue. But instead of that, that is like a green light. That's like, oh, this this bloke is hooked. Yeah. This is This is a cash cow. We'll milk this. And uh, a lot of disclaimers at the end in the, in, the, in the you know for parity, a lot of the people like William Hill at the end and various professional bodies saying that you know we don't recognize some of the claims made in this documentary. Yeah, we don't recognize any of this stuff, and the health of gamblers is, is principal. is you know is first and foremost, and all this sort of stuff. but like all the when you watch and it is rife these days, I didn't realize that there was a big change in the legislation like 16 years ago. when you watch all the stuff on the especially the the, the apps. That say, when the fun stops, stop. Well, that's like saying, take heroin. But when you get addicted, mate, just stop. Yeah, d- yeah. D- stop taking it then. Or just take just do one spoonful a day and that's you. Right? That does how addiction works, <laughs> is it? Spoonful of heroin. <laughs> you sound like you're talking about yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <do> you know what I mean? <laughs> heroin. Yeah, when yeah. the fun stops, yeah, stop. Yeah, no, I agree. don't start. There's, yeah. a, there's an idea. None of the the, the gamma stuff never says oh. <laughs> don't start. It says. When the fun stops, stop, set yourself a daily limit, uh, take a timeout. out. Merson says, if you're, if you're addicted to gambling, that stuff, none of that stuff means anything. Yeah, but he, he also says
0: that there are loads of people who gain pleasure from gambling.
1: Him, he who loves it.
0: haven't got the thing. Yeah, but, yeah who loads. Who haven't got the thing he's got. Yeah, but he's saying I'm But what's interesting is he's saying, I'm not saying that gambling should be banned. I'm not saying don't start. Exactly. I'm just saying that for me and for, you know, 300,000 other people in the country it is you know borderline ruinous
3: i felt very naive watching this because in my life i've probably put five bets on yeah okay. i would say i actively dislike it i don't like the feeling of it okay so i've been to the dogs on a couple of stag do's and i went to vegas to watch the boxing and i did gamble there yeah but a very yeah, yeah. command limit of like five quid yeah 5 dollars I just don't enjoy it. I don't have an app on my phone. The one thing that I've that I've noticed change in my lifetime is that when I was a kid, up to the age really of about twenty five, probably, if you wanted to put a bet on you had to walk into a bookies. Yeah. And bookies were really shady places and you would they would they didn't even have um, transparent windows. There would be yeah. a big picture of a
1: horse next to yes. it. Yes. and Shearer next to it. That is to be it to be really plain. Yeah, orange yeah. outside. Blanked out windows. Very plain. So you weren't
3: even allowed to see what was going on in there. And then with the age of the smartphone, obviously you could, you could gamble on apps on your phone. I don't have a single gambling app on my phone. But what that's done is it's it's made gambling so easy. It's become mm-hmm. an enormous part of any sporting day out. So if you go and watch a football match at half time,
1: well, there was that stuff, mate. Was it, was it half of Premier League teams now sponsored by gambling companies?
3: Yeah, but an enormous proportion of fans would be on their phones deciding whether they're going to cash out and all that kind of stuff because yeah, got accumulators on etc. So
1: you see if you'd see a logo for a betting company was it four hundred times a game, seven hundred times? Yeah, if you don't if you if you don't work for the BBC
3: or the Guardian, it's also impossible to work in sports media without being sponsored. Yeah, on some level by a gambling company.
0: Look, you know, we, we will have we don't do the ones where we read them out ourselves, but there will be gambling adverts within the podcast. Mm. because of the way the spot ads work
3: the yeah. thing i found incredible was and this is this is my own naivety and i've not really given it very much thought the cookies on your phone can tell the gambling company so much about you as a person and mm. then they target you as a gambler and your gambling type specifically to get more out of you mm. it's a really really pernicious business model mm. And Merson, I felt so sorry for him. And I would, an awful lot of respect because he is from a very, very, and I know that, especially in Wales, you get rugby players usually call football Wendy Ball and all that kind of stuff. But when he was playing, it was a very macho alpha game. Yeah. So for him to, you know, to, to cry at, le- at least twice in this programme where he faces yeah. his own programmes. I remember him crying. Do you remember that press conference he gave where he where he admitted, this was about 96, that he had a problem with alcohol and Drug abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite famous because he he wept. He openly wept yeah, in yeah. the presser, uh, and men, especially sportsmen, didn't cry. Apart yeah. from Gascon, I was like, I'd ever seen a sportsman cry. But he was, he was at the very end of, of of his tether. Weirdly, the Gascon
0: one, I think, would be considered more acceptable by the macho end of sports because it was about sport, whereas Mercer yeah, crying yeah, yeah. about real life is somehow less acceptable, which I find fascinating.
3: Yeah. Charlton cries a little bit in the 66 World Cup finals, doesn't he, I think.
1: When he talks about, he, he kicked his booze habit, he kicked the drugs, but he looks all the way through this, the bit I found really sad for Merson, he knows he's on the brink all the time. There's a bit there, there's, yeah, there's a couple yeah. of bits that really... Stand out. This they 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 hook him up with that that uh, professor. She's got a, a program there where they use points instead of money. And there's just a red or a blue thing. And it's just to look at how you how you how much risk you take and how you gamble. And he's on that game on a laptop in a sort of controlled situation. He says close to been to Tibetan for nine months is this this thing he's doing, right? Yeah. And the one bit that really was like a gut punch was there was a bit, and he knows he's been filmed. But he sort of forgets it. Because he's in, He's in. He's in the game. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bit where he goes. Yes, he goes. I knew they were going to do that. Uh they, th- yeah. they think they've got me, but I did that. They did that three times in a row. So I knew that was going to happen that time. And then you think, fuck. He thinks he's, he thinks he's got a system for this, but there is no yeah. system. For yeah, this, right? yeah. But then he, he he has that little moment of self awareness. Yeah. Where he goes. Oh, of course I don't. Or yeah. or maybe I don't. And he's ah. Like, oh. And you knew that was the buzz, and that was that him thinking without. Being aware of a camera. I've got this. Yeah. Smash this. Yeah. I've, be- I've beaten this system. And then he lost it all. She said, you know, young people tend to take more risks. They're like, they'll gamble like 27% of the time. Mm. I don't know, 60% of the time maybe. And, and uh, as you get older, it goes down to the end of the 20s. She said, but you you gambled like 92% of the time. Like you, it's in you to be shit or bust. And there's the, his mate there, he meets us at the betting shop that he met when he was in the Arsenal Academy as a youngster. Yes. They went the bet and shop the other first bet. He digs out that photograph of them on tour, and he said, "That's me looking pissed off on the bed because I want to go to the pool and I, I want to go and do stuff because we're we're abroad." Yeah. And you're just playing cards, and I knew yeah. you would play until either you lost all your money or he would lost all his yeah. money. Yeah.
3: The other thing I found so sad was um, he's on Sky mm. all the time. Yeah, every day. Exactly. best payer in telly. Yeah. And he's mm. living in rented accommodation because he's gambled away. Seven deposit. million
1: quid. Yeah, seven million. Seven
3: million. million quid
1: that the golf
0: game with oh, Keith, gillespie what? and hearts and i can't remember the other lad's name um is it scott
3: davis who used to play for said, Red, it? that's yeah. exactly who it is
0: yeah and gillespie i've heard interviewed about it before i've interviewed john about his sort of gambling stuff in the past and the numbers i think was it a 14 million between
1: them? between them yeah 15 million between them yeah that they, they gambled away I think Gillespie working on what he'd earned in his career. So I, I declared bankruptcy two years ago. I, I earned yeah, yeah. seven million quid and I did bankrupt. Yeah. And he was playing, you know, oh. Champions League for United.
3: Newcastle was
0: such yeah. a good player, Keith Gillespie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's almost unfathomable. that, And it doesn't have to be the vastness of those sums. You could earn, you know, what any of us earn or what you earn listening to this now. Imagine all of that that you've earned from the age of when you started work until now, mm.
1: you've fucked off. Spunked it off. It's gone. Yeah. And That's I've had mates with real bad, bad. I'm not going to obviously name them, but who've borrowed off other mates and lied, yeah. to, lied to mates and businesses go through the hoop and just gambled and gambled and gambled. You know, and when you got a real issue like that, there's a a, it's a really touching bit when, when Merson sort of says, I always thought I was a, bad person trying to be good he says by now i'm a sick person trying to get well
3: yes yeah, yeah
1: yeah he's not a bad bloke he's got a thing when they put him in the mri scanner and they're looking at the brain and where the sort of pleasure centers the brain are that was a real telling bit they show him like food and drink then they show him nature then they show him family yeah, yeah. then they show him gambling right and the food and drink did nothing for him nature did nothing for him the bit i found amazing families did absolutely nothing for him there was no response yeah. there at all. The only response he got yeah. was to those gambling things. He said, he and said, that's me. He said, I don't even go to a casino. And it's, his brain lit up. Yeah. yeah. This is me watching a type of gambling I don't even do. So imagine what it's like when I'm doing the gambling I want to do. I'm taking part in it. Yeah. I, I love yeah. it. I love doing it. Mm.
3: And he said, you know, just for like drink and drugs, I've got to put something in my body. But with gambling, it's in me all the time. Mm. And it's so easy. And it's a very moving documentary.
1: I... It made me terrified of gambling as well. It's hard watch. Well, it's, do you know what? It's why I've never done it. And, and I know what my personality is like. When he talks about when he, he's playing football and they're saying, you know, the, the percentage thing is the pass, but I want to I smash a goal in. And when I've done personality inventories when I was in college in the sports science, right? And they got okay. those natch, naff things. Need to achieve, need to avoid failure. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm so high on the natu- need to achieve stuff. I don't give a fuck if I mess up. Or if I make a twat on myself, that stuff never right. bothers me. If if you're going to get a chance to be the big dog, right? Then and there's other people who think that I just don't want to fail in stuff, so I'll just I'll just do stuff I know I can I know I can do, and I won't put myself out there at the risk of making a twat on myself. And I've never worried about me making a twat on myself. We know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I generally don't though. Yeah, and I think that's why you know, that's why I fucked off and left jobs, or I've done stuff, and I've gone places, or I think it's why a lot of people go into comedy. Is it's a real weird thing to go to comedy and you're self-employed for a kickoff. So mm. if, if I if I don't if it doesn't work, I've got a fuck all money. I've got nothing. I've got no sick pay, no holiday pay, no nothing, right? If you go on stage and you and you and you make a track of yourself, it's the loneliest place in the world. And every comic died on their ass and it's fucking horrible. But you you do it because when you when you get that fucking when the whole place goes up and laughs or when something happens, you just think fucking that's the best feeling in the world. And he says about scoring a goal. He was always looking for that buzz, so I'm always looking for like peaks all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're quite happily you put up with the troughs then, right? I'm not okay. happy to put up with them, but they're just they're just fucking occupational hazard. But that's yeah. why I've never got anywhere near gambling because I, I I know I've gambled once. I had some chips for a casino. A mate gave me, and I think I on the first roll I'm not making this up. I was with my mate Steve Pickup that Ellis knows. He had some chips. Gave me some chips, and I put them on a roulette wheel. Didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Put them on seventeen, and seventeen came up. So I got a shitload of money back. It was like 20 quid on, you know, on a roll of the wheel. But I, so I don't know what the odds are, but I, it was hundreds yeah, of yeah. pounds I won, right? And I, I stayed there all night then. And until so I walked out of there with nothing. I didn't have a chip left. Yeah. And he was like, you were like fucking, whatever it was, 400 pounds up or something. Dad. But I was into it then. Oh, I'll have another go of this. I'll play with a bit of blackjack and do this. Ooh, yeah. You lose it all. I just thought, fuck, I'm never, ever doing that again. Because you, you can't afford it. It just fucks you. Like he's, I felt so sad for him. When he's there with his kids and you just think. He's got to sort of rewire his own brain to enjoy that stuff with your kids like just kicking a football around with your kids. Yeah, yeah. Cuz he's so into that into that bloody it's yeah, a weird
3: one. When you think about his career, he played for England, played in a World Cup, mm-hmm. played in the Euros, mm-hmm. won league titles and all that kind of stuff, played for We did it all. Didn't best we? team in England at the time, did it all. But football is that kind of life. It's, you know, you win you're top of the world, you lose it's a nightmare. And I think that Touring musicians have this, and comedians to an extent as well, where it's very difficult to go back to normal life when you've had super, super highs. Okay. And I remember reading an interview with Keith Richards where he was asked why he took heroin, and he said, you know, I'm either in my house or I'm performing in front of 90,000 people in a stadium in South America. Yeah, But heroin is always the same. And what I couldn't handle, what I could never handle was going from doing Wembley to having nothing to do because the tour's finished. But you've always got something to do if you're a heroin addict or if you're a drinker. I think if you've had a lifetime of highs and lows through sport, Mm. I mean, we've read almost 200 books in this podcast, a lot of which were sporting biographies and autobiographies. Sports people struggle with this all the time. I can understand Mm. how gambling would go somewhere to replace that. It's just um, the extremes of his life. Like there's at one point where I think it might be filmed during lockdown or just after lockdown, where he's really, really twitchy because he's got nothing to do. And his wife says, what's wrong with you, Paul? And he says, it's just every day is the same, isn't it? And she says, yeah, that's family yeah. life. Mm, yeah, That is what having a family is.
1: He says, I get up, I go to work, you know, I play football with the kids, I take them train train, like, can we come home? She said, yeah, that's like that's called life. If you're a sports person, or it does work in musicians as well, And comics, I suppose, so but if you're a sports person, there's, the, there's a perfect storm going on. So it's, it's obviously there's there's a nature element and there's a, there's a genetic element to it. But if you, number one, you feel lucky. Because all you've gone through an academy and all your mates at every year are sort of dropped out and dropped out and dropped yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You end up playing for last well I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm a lucky person. That's number one. I'm good and I'm lucky. I'm good and I'm lucky, right? And the fortune favors me, right? So you got that aspect of it. You've got that you love the highs. And, you, and you're prepared to put up with the lows for those. So that's in you as well. And then the one fellow there says, well, I was on loan. He so said, I have played for like seven clubs in four years. And you're a young lad. No one likes to be the, the a new bloke in, in, or a new woman in the workplace. We don't know anybody. It's fucking horrible. So if you're doing that twice a year, you want to be in, in the in crowd. So if the in crowd is playing cards at the back of a bus or going to the betting shop, you do that because, you know, you want to ingratiate yourself with, with the other people. And, and a lot of them are playing cards because – they, they said one bit, he said, if you're if you're taking cocaine or you're, you're on the piss, people everyone knows that. Yeah. And you can fail drug tests and you know, everyone in the changing room knows what you're doing, you know, but you can gamble and no one knows what's going on. You've you got a buzz there. There's, you could, you're could. you not going to fail a blood test because you're gambling. No. You're not going to stink of booze because you've been gambling. You're not going to be covered in powder because mm-hmm. you've been gambling. No one knows you're doing it. And young men, especially the very
3: highest end, have got so much money. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, that's so, a thing, isn't it? You know, if if you're earning 100 grand a week, you can put 20 grand on a horse race. It doesn't matter.
1: You think you're bulletproof. You think you're lucky. You love the highs. You've got a ton of disposable cash. You're young. You know, there's all these things that I think, fucking hell, they're all, they're all red lights for it. Yeah, but for the majority of people who do it, like yeah. drinking.
0: Like drinking, same thing. Or social drug taking. Yeah. It's not a thing. No. And it's not a problem. And that's what... Is, I guess, depressing about this is that Paul stumbled across the things mm. apart from football. It was fascinating that he didn't see the correlation that you were talking about, Al, and that the first academic who he talks to talks to him about of the risk-taking and the highs that he's experienced. Yeah. He didn't he's never drawn that parallel. Mm. I found that
1: fascinating. Mm. So I would think that would be the first thing that any yeah.
0: therapist would have said to him.
1: But I don't, know, I don't know how you get how you get away from it. Like we went to watch Super Bowl in the in the casino. Uh, they really looked after us last year. We had a great time watching Super Bowl up there. The Hippodrome was lovely, right? But there's some, and I'm not saying people don't lose a shitload of money in casinos. But when you've got to physically go somewhere and do something, it's almost like an, right. in, in a in a bar. You know, if you're shit-faced, a good barman mm. or or landlady should say you're not in anymore, right? But if you're at home or you're in a park or you're doing whatever, it's, it's a different. I don't know whether... It, yeah. I think bricks and mortar, obviously, you've only got to go... Well, you've been to Vegas, I've never been, but you've only got to go to Vegas to see that you can quite easily end up on the fucking streets via casino gambling as well. But There's the bit where he talks to families who've lost
3: gamblers and gambling addicts to suicide. That's heartbreaking, that bit. There are a couple, two parents, and their son took his own life. And she says he would wake up at two in the morning, trembling, because he was trying not to Mm. touch his phone. Because he knew that if he touched his phone, he would go on a gambling app and he'd be betting on something. Mm. And that's the thing as well. I mean, you couldn't go to the bookies at two in the morning to bet on Chinese horse racing or whatever. Well,
1: Merson says, on the back of that, he says, I I wanted to break my finger so I couldn't use my phone. You know, Because Merson had it, he he knew exactly what they were feeling like. The the woman there whose fiance or, or husband had passed away, took his life. She says that when he died, she went through his emails. She, well, first of all, she went through his PayPal and it was just money and money and money and money and money that she didn't know what he was doing. Mm. And deposit limits. She said he spent 85 times a day and hitting his deposit limit seven or eight times a day, then topping it up again and spending it all again. Yeah. Yeah. And then getting she said, but the shit. But the most upsetting thing was the email from the company that said, You haven't deposited enough this month, that we're going to take away your bonuses. Yeah. And so they I mean, must know at that point, when you've seen that bit with the cookies from earlier, they know that he's in, he's, he's in shit street at that point. And obviously, you're going to get unscrupulous companies as well. I'm not, like Mercer, I'm not saying all gambling's bad. Like I said, i got got to i on my, you know, but fucking hell. Is it? I didn't know it was as targeted as it is. I didn't know it was as, it could be as bloody ruthless as it is.
0: I mean, but if you think about the amount of time that probably the three of us waste on our phones, on apps, oh. but you add oh. in, and, so there's a level of addiction within that, isn't
1: there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. A very, very minor. Different type of addiction. I'm addicted to my phone and it makes me fucking sick sometimes. How much time I spend on. So if you add in the ability to lose money within that as well. And when he goes through his statements, oh,
3: two grand, two, two and, grand. and a half grand, a grand, three grand, three grand, a grand, five hundred quid. And at one point he's like he's like sixty eight quid. Yeah. Yeah. And he said that's all I would have had.
0: But then there's another bit where he says ninety five hundred, which is jarred for me because he was doing them all in grands up until then. Yeah, yeah. He's at ninety yeah. five hundred. <laughs> but it's sixty-five or whatever.
1: Sixty, it was. yeah, sixty. But, I think it was sixty-nine pounds. You don't make that because you that's yeah. all that's all you've got left. Yeah. Fucking you now, unbelievable. Fair
3: play to his wife for sticking with him. She has to give him pocket money now. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "I used to resent it, but I see that she wants what's best for me." But poor bloke,
1: I feel really sorry. like you see, it, it, it's what he loves to do. That's this is the thing. You know, I remember going on a drug course. When I was working on the door, they sent us on a drug course, and they said, "They because you, you're searching people and and the fella there from who's from the police." He said, what you never see on TV, there's loads of drug stuff all over the, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And he said, what they don't tell you is it's fucking great. People love doing it at first. Mm. That's why you wouldn't do it if you yeah. didn't love doing it. If it was shit yeah. the first time you did it, you would, well, that would be you, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, it, it, if, if, if it wasn't really enjoyable, you wouldn't get hooked on it. And then, mm. like he loves gambling. You just hope he can replace that with something else. Yeah. I love yeah. bit when he's playing football with his kid, he's a good little footballer kid as well, obviously.
3: Yeah, yeah, that step yeah. over. Yeah, it was yeah, good, yeah. wasn't
1: it? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. You hope that that's going to yeah, take the place good. of – when they say with any addiction, you can't just get rid of it. You've got to replace it with something. So when you see, like, your mate there does the running stuff. What's his name? The um, hmm. running punks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jimmy Watkins. Yeah. You, yeah. you get right into something healthy. He used to be a big drinker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, you've got to replace it with something. Bang into the drinking, you know, spoil everything that way, yeah. and got into the running – That was his thing then. You know, well, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, very similar.
1: Yeah. You know, the running is probably his addiction now. Just hope Merson finds his thing, like, you know?
0: Yes. Whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. Some of the bits in the film, in the documentary, I wasn't sure about. The bit where he's basically saying, I haven't gambled for a a year or so. Hmm. And then they're doing that experiment with him. And you can see. The addiction going back over. in? Yes. Well, yeah, I thought back in, but you could see it. I felt a bit uncomfortable. With that. I don't know about this as a device. Because what if that, uh, hopefully it didn't and hasn't. But what if that's, that's the straw? You can't. Yeah. If you yeah. can't stop it. I don't know how it works because I'm not, I haven't got that thing. But what if he can't get out of that? Mm. I felt, yeah, I felt bad watching that bit.
1: I mate Luke gave up smoking because he's uh, mm. just, just had his first kid now. And he said, I bring some I bought some cigars ages ago when he was smoking. We we never we never smoked. Yeah. He said, I'll bring them up to London, mate. Yeah. Got the baby now. And I said, I'm thinking, I'm not giving you a cigar, mate. Because if you get back on the fags now, I'll feel bloody awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you if you haven't smoked for six months, I'm not going to be the person to give you a cigar. <laughs> yeah. I'll feel I'll feel terrible. Yeah, that has to be his own choice that he has to go get them himself, yeah, I would they say. Can, they yeah. can just say they're unsmoked. Yes. Yeah, that's also fine. Yeah, with the gambling thing. As that game on the laptop, when he had that bit of a buzz. It just looked oh, for shit. a second there, like oh shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt uncomfortable, but it was also—I've re- never seen that in someone either. No. So it was really useful no, device
1: for a viewer of going,
3: oh wow, that's what it looks. Yeah, like. Yeah. If you didn't get it before that, you get it now.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, yeah, it's Paul Merson, football, gambling, and me. It's on Netflix. It's a very. Tough watching part. It's forty nine minutes. Very tough in bits, but he is really laying himself bare in this. So hats off to him, and I hope he uh, yeah, I hope he manages to keep doing what he's doing. Right, book time.
0: This week's choice is Alice James.
3: Oh my gosh, my choice is nowhere to run: the ridiculous life of a semi-professional football club chairman by Jonathan Sayer. So he supports Ashton United FC. His grandfather had played for the club and they're non league. And like almost all non league teams, they are in a financially perilous state and run largely by volunteers. And he's a very successful playwright. He's one of the three who wrote and devised the play that goes wrong. So that's he, he, you know, he's he's sort of in comic plays and performance and comic writing is his background. Mm. So he lives in London. Ashton is in Greater Manchester. But the club sends out an SOS basically and says, listen, we're in, we're in deep trouble. Please, we need some help. And almost on a whim, he and his father decide to buy the team. I would say they're slightly misled about the state the club is in. And then suddenly they go on this record-breaking run of defeats. He is in tears so much in this book. <laughs> the stress levels are unreal. Why would anyone buy a football team? Yeah. (laughs) The stress levels are genuinely unreal. And also, even even though he's local and he's a fan, a genuine fan with a real heritage with the club Mm. and a real connection to the club, when they're on this horrendous run, that doesn't stop him getting docs abuse from the supporters. (laughs) And the thing with football at that level is a, there's a there's a bit where I think the the players or some fans offer to stay out all night in tents on the pitch to water the pitch because there's this heat wave. Amazing. And the pitch is drying out. Yeah. And they haven't got sprinklers because they're a non-league team. It's an amazing chronicle of the small amount of highs and the bitter disappointments and real lows that come. And also just the bills. The, he's hemorrhaging money, like he's putting his life savings into it. Unless
1: you can afford to lose millions of pounds.
3: Yeah. Why would you do it? The relationship with his father suffers, but he's such a great comic writer. Mm. It's yeah. its a really, really brilliantly told tale. Like, I really loved it, but Christ. I it did make me think, unless I was a multimillionaire, I, I'm i not going to buy Carthard Town. <laughs> because it, it sort of captures how illogical supporting yeah. A football team is. Well, just just the facilities of
0: a building yeah. like that, the electric, the water, all the stuff that you don't think about that would be the same as owning a property that
1: size. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That pitch on wreck some it when it was like just to replace the turf and the cost a quarter of a million pounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For somebody you don't even for somebody don't even see. just just that's yeah. just the pitch. You just assume that's gonna be there anyway. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But it's a new grass. How much is that going to cost? A quarter of a million pounds? What? Why? Yeah. <laughs>
3: How? And also, you know, it's, it's a public place. So you've got insurance oh, yeah. and the, it's got to be safe. And loads of bodge jobs have been done on the, on the ground over the years. And he's discovering this. It's a bit like when you've bought a kind of money pit property. And you take Hello? some wallpaper off and <laughs> realise that the house is falling, falling apart. You're living
0: a Tom Hanks movie. But
3: he's such a great writer. He's a really great writer. So it zips along. But what an intro. If you don't know very much about grassroots football or football at that level, mm. what an intro to football in the sort of lower end of the English pyramid it is. But crack cri- you're just desperate. Uh, there's a There's a point. I was reading it last week, and there's a point where they're on this record break and run a defeat. You're just desperate for them to get a win, and he's got to sack the manager. And the manager initially takes it quite well, and he's not very good with confrontation. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I saw a lot of myself in him because I would hate to sack a manager. Oh yeah, and he wasn't a very he wasn't a very good player. Like um, I think it's on the blurb, you know, you had a one game for. You know, some under 13s team where he came on as a sub and was then subbed because he'd given three goals away. Hmm. It's not even like he can argue with the manager and say, Listen, you haven't done this. Yeah. Tactically, you're inept. It's just because of the sheer amount of defeats he knows he's got to go, but he doesn't really want to tell him that. And there's a very funny status dynamic between
1: him and the manager where he's effectively scared of the manager. The weird thing in that is the managers, whenever you listen to players or managers talk about sport, they all know that that's how their careers, their time yeah. at a club is going to end. Yes, yeah, nine yeah, times yeah. out of ten, to be getting sacked, and that's just part of the job.
0: Yeah, they yeah, never yeah. take
1: it personally because they just think, okay, could you have sacked Bob Bradley? Very few managers resign.
0: If, if if I if you were in the situation, okay, you're in charge of Swansea. Bob Bradley has been the manager that he has been during the time at Swansea. <laughs> could you, you? Could you have sat him down in the room and gone, Bob? Is it, mate?
3: I mean, done. He- Oh, do you remember? Were you covering this for BBC Wales when we sacked Guidolin on his birthday?
2: Yeah, 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 oh,
3: yeah. His yeah. birthday. Yeah. Was his bloody birthday. He was sort of he was
0: there, sort of smoking in the background.
3: And he got sacked. Oh, dear, dear, and oh. once they'd sacked him, he said, It's my birthday. It's my birthday, guys. <laughs> and whoever, whoever, whoever did it
0: went, oh sorry, I didn't, so, didn't know, didn't look, didn't go. your oh, man. It's my birthday.
3: That's your okay. Birthday? No, I don't want to be anywhere near the running of a football club no way no thank you but yeah nowhere to run the ridiculous life of a semi-professional football club chairman by Jonathan Sayer it would be a great book to buy for Christmas I think
0: right that's this week's socially distanced sports bar we will be back with another episode next week so please Keep listening. Listen to it, enjoy it, have fun with it. I I genuinely, I don't know if anybody else would, I would like to know where you listen as well. How Are you a car listener? Are you a running listener? Steve Bunce always says on Five Live Boxing, are you listening while you're doing your hot yoga? I don't think anyone listens while they're doing hot yoga. But if you are the hot yoga listener, maybe you cross that. Maybe you love what Buncey and Barry Jones do and you also listen to us while you're doing hot yoga. I don't know. Think that's going to be a person Uh, at distant pod. If you are that person, pint-sized episode coming your way this Sunday as well. Don't miss out on those little snippets from our back catalogue that we pull together and we pump out there to kind of. No, no. I have an image that some of you might have headaches on Sunday mornings. Some of you might be off on kids' trips to play rugby or football on a Sunday morning, and just while you're making the breakfast that might be a cool thing to do. While you're massively hungover, that might be a cool five minutes of your life listening to something funny. Might work, might not, but it's there either way. So get on the pint-sized episodes. Uh, I will talk to you again on Wednesday. Ta-ra.